Thank you for joining us for another episode of Black Law and Legalize. Legalize. I mm. am one of your hosts, oh. Afro Becky. Becky. Why everything have to have an echo? I'm her ad libs. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Uh, and joining me is joining Just Dan, and you can follow me on Twitter at I Tell Legal Lies. Lies. Yeah. And <laughs> wait, I want to do it too. My name is Dan, ladies and gentlemen, and I am probably the only sane one in this room at the moment. Wait, you didn't say your full name. You, you can didn't say your full name. Find me on Twitter, Twitter. and IG at I am Dan <laughs> on drugs. Drugs. You can also keep up with the show across all platforms at Black Law Podcast. Now, I want to point something out to our listeners well this is more for the visual side now you might look at the clips for this show and say hey you guys are wearing the exact same (laughs) thing as last week well you're wrong i changed my hat my hat is white now it was black last week no uh we we are in order to uh kind of make our schedules mesh we have to record two episodes today on the same day so it is what it is this week as in later on today but um on this episode reparations before we get into that though i saw something really interesting on um now becky you mentioned let's tell the people about the headline that you just read yeah you know what that should be a new feature like we like talk about one weird headline crazy headline oh my briefly favorite one was the dude that got his dick stuck into a sheep uh, and they had to get like doctors and shit out there that's not real that's real it was in one of them countries where they fuck sheep <laughs> <laughs> in my, wait florida florida you know man wait, florida man florida. really florida <laughs> they be fucking sheeps out in florida yo yeah and you know florida is a country but yeah okay yeah. so the headline that i i just glanced at it and it uh, i cracked up a little bit but it said murderer released because he was old or thought that they were he was too old to kill again then he kills again like seriously man Man. you once you are a serial killer always Always a serial killer killer. yeah that's like crackhead released probably he's too old to do crack Crack. again (laughs) man i saw a few things um is it kind of related to that i saw in the uk there was a case going on where there was like for some reason I i don't know if it's with all cases but no press and no pictures or anything so there was a gag order this um no it, it was for a trial that was no, going I'm on saying, there's a gag order and this guy goes down there and he starts live streaming outside of the courthouse and i guess their laws aren't like america where you can just go film and shit so because this one dude random dude he's uh uh one of those he's what you would call in America, a right wing nut. He, (laughs) because he did that on Facebook. Mistrial? They, he put the entire trial at jeopardy. Now he wasn't in the courtroom. He wasn't even in the courthouse. He was standing outside live streaming his vitriol. Right. But something, so, so not knowing what sort of case it was, but 
they didn't want the jury to be tainted by anything, which is why they have, they probably had jury sequestered. And if they had a gag order, meaning, you know, they wouldn't allow the press to be anywhere around or they, they didn't want undue influence on somebody. So yeah. Hmm. Tommy Robinson. Okay, here we go. This might, this might be it. This might not be it. Tommy Robinson jailed after breaking contempt of court laws with Facebook live video. Tommy Robinson was jailed for 13 months for breaking contempt of court laws. His sentence can be revealed for the first time after the independent and Leeds live fought a reporting restriction put on the case at Leeds crown court. Robinson whose real name was listed on the court documents, blah, blah, blah. He admitted to committing contempt of court by publishing information that could prejudice an ongoing trial via a live stream on his Facebook page. At one point, the video was being viewed by more than 10,000 people as Robinson attempted to film defendants entering the court Mm -hmm. and discuss the case, which is subject to, to a separate reporting restriction. So yeah, that motherfucker went to jail for 13 months, but because he did that, I, I want to say it was like a murderer or something could have got off even if he was found guilty. Not, well, not that, not that he could have gotten off per se. The judge would have probably mistrial. Right. And that's not him getting off. What happens is you just have to start all over, mm. which would be like, if I was a prosecutor, I'd be beating the shit out of what his name is, Tommy. What Robinson? If, cause you know, you think about the time and effort that goes into prosecuting any case. If you actually take it to trial, you know, you're talking about jury selections, just a massive amount of work. And you did all that and you're knee deep in your case. And then the judge declares a mistrial because of somebody on the outside that was stupid mm-hmm. yeah 13 months should he should have got more than that so question when a mistrial is declared <clears throat> any evidence that you've presented thus far in that case cannot be used anymore sometimes what if there was like dna evidence or well, see that's why that's why i say it sometimes it all depends on the nature like why mm a mistrial was actually um, why the declared declared a mistrial. So yeah, it, it all depends, but some, sometimes Mm -mm -mm. now reparations, right? (laughs) All right, Riley, where do the both of you stand on in 2020 African-Americans, AKA black folks, AKA our niggas out here getting reparations. I want to start with you, Becky. In my opinion, it's way too late. It would be nice to get them. But the thing is, the people that deserve them, the people that earn them, they're not benefiting from it. Have you heard the saying, I'm rich, bitch? <laughs> yeah. Really? That was from Ashley Larry getting his reparations. Mm. Um, and? I mean, my colored side, because, you know, I heard people was calling us colored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That and that was your people talk. Yeah, I wouldn't mind saying. And, and he said it properly too. That nigga said, 
Yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind going to see a colored doctor. What? And ladies and gentlemen, that episode has not aired yet, but it will. Believe me, it will. We have a professional athlete on the show calling doctors and trainers for the team colored. That just keep keep an eye out for that one. Right. So anyway, so my woke side says, hell yeah, give me what you owe me. And to your point, Beck, just because we are descendants of those people. Right. So they will benefit vicariously. No, they won't. Yes, they they will. buried in the ground. <laughs> they don't they, know. They will they will benefit vicariously because we talking because you know, in today's money, do you know how much do you know how much the United States owes my people? Forty acres and a mule by today's standards. You I want to say a mule is probably about fourteen to fifteen grand. Forty acres. That's that, a whole that's, lot of money. Yeah, depending on money. depending where? on where, where it 40 is. Acres at? Man, I'm saying, just give us a state. Just you know, give us a whole state. That is a whole lot of money. So, so all jokes aside, this is why I say I am ambivalent. So, my pro side, I say. Yes, give it to me because one, you made a contract with black people of America. Mm-hmm. Honor that contract. Also, when you had Asian Americans in internment camps, you paid them reparations. Yeah. You know, you said, okay, we're sorry. What we did was wrong. Here's some cash. Jewish people, they received money wrong. We did something wrong. Here you go. We're sorry. Even though money cannot in no way, shape or fashion, that does not, it doesn't soften the blow. It does. It does not. It would not make. That's just like you kill somebody and then I file a wrongful debt suit and I get money from that. It will not bring them back. It will not. It will not assuage the hurt and the harm that you've done to people of color but as i said the the legal side of me the lawyer in me says you made a contract with the this group of people honor it give them what you owe them so here's my question right my question is wait say, what was your opinion about reparation it depends on the answers to my questions my my first question would be, okay, there was this contract mm-hmm. with, let's say at the time there were, I'm, I'm just throwing numbers out here, Roughly. making numbers up. Mm-hmm. There were 800,000 black people, okay? Mm-hmm. Today, there are about, uh, let's say, 100 million black people. So how how does it get broken up? And then since with all the interracial relationships then we have to look at how do you find the people right in, in am i do it's okay i'm biracial do i only get 50 percent of my reparate <laughs> do i only get 20 acres and half a mule get to give me a donkey instead or some shit but um but you know some people would say the drop of I black mean, blood no i, I wasn't going why there. couldn't we apply the same <laughs> terms that they did well you know i i wasn't going there but this is where I was going. Some people would say that black people have received reparations. 
and they, they, they are continually receiving reparations. Welfare? In the form of, right, subsidized living. Well, then so, take it away from white people then. And, and, you know, that would be the argument that I would make. But that, that is what I've, I've actually heard people say that. I've heard people make that argument that while you are saying you want reparations, you are living off of the government. So in effect, yeah, you are getting a, a congressman, a congressman who said that maybe last year and he was one of the big name congressmen. He's he said, um, you guys should be thanking us for bringing you over here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and making you slaves, basically, because look at the lives you have now compared to what you would have had. You don't know what we would have had. had. Right. And on top of that, we were a, a peaceful people from all historical accounts. But we were a more advanced people as Absolutely. well. Yeah, oh. we just didn't have no damn common sense getting on them fucking <laughs> boats. But, um, okay, I, I do believe that the United States government does owe black people something. Now, I don't think 40 acres in a mule or even today's equivalent in um in money for 40 acres in a mule is practical. But no, because we would so, bankrupt the country. Right. This is what I'm thinking. Free college tuition for all black people. Right. Because, you know, they give free co- college tuition to Native Americans. Yep. So free, absolutely free. And that is in perpetuity. Free and I don't care if it's a, a public school or a private school. If it's if it's Harvard, all right, government, you got to foot the bill. But that that's something that I, I, I kind of toyed with, because there's no way that they're just going to cut checks and say, here, here's a check for you. Here's a check. And then just getting down into the fine grained details of that, that that would take years alone. So let's just say if you are black. I like your idea. But then then. I guess you could prove your blackness the same way that in Native Americans. Yeah, by measuring per- dicks, right? <clears throat> oh no, hold on! I might not get my reparations then. Yeah. yeah, don't don't you fucking agree, <laughs> Come on, uh-uh. <laughs> motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> That's why your damn neck broke. <laughs> Shit. Come on, some. <laughs> Woo! Score one for Beck. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah. You measure your blackness by your genealogy. Right. Like that's what I said. So basically, the same way that we do, or the United States does, for Native Americans. But you know, your idea has some merit. But you know what? And I only said I said legal side. So and this is why I'm ambivalent. My Con side says, hell no. You know, the time for that in agreement with what Beck said earlier, the time for that has come and gone. Instead of reparations, in keeping with or same floor thought, opportunity mm-hmm. is what we as a people should want and not handouts. As as the, uh, the phrase goes, hand up. So... And not to say, and we've said it on previous episodes, everybody needs help every now and then. So, but what the way you could pay me back 
would be to give all of my people the opportunity to live better, to act the American dream, to have a piece of that. So rather than systematically confining people of color to ghetto life, mm-hmm. give them the opportunity to rise above that. Ladies and gentlemen, I have some breaking news here. Breaking news in all seriousness. A Few Screws Loose, the podcast, <laughs> has just been nominated for the Pod Excellent Awards for in the category of Best Niche Podcast. All right. All right. Yeah. So we're going to need y'all to uh, vote for us. And for those of you who don't listen to A Few Screws Loose, it's the mental health-ish podcast that me and my co-host P uh, host. So I just want to, that just came across my screen. Yo, vote for us. Um, we'll put the details in the show notes. All right. But yeah, see, we we, we, doing, we doing shit out here. We be doing all shit. All right, all right. Um, it, so that means we gotta step up our game, man. Yeah, how black law ain't get on that? They don't <laughs> fuck with y'all too. That's what it is. They don't I fuck guess. with y'all too. I guess that's what it is. No, the um, okay, opportunities. I can agree with that. So let let's think of opportunities here. So we named school, job, trades. Um, we want to get out of the the ghetto. No, just just the free ride mentality because we've said it before and everybody out there knows poverty is generational it is so so as well yeah it is absolutely and wealthy people train their children how to keep wealth and create it Mm -hmm. people who are born in poverty do not have the skills most of the time it's not everybody because there are many people who were born in poverty and worked themselves to learn how to take themselves out of it, to bring themselves out of it. But most people who are, who live in poverty are complacent in that poverty. And that is because that is what they've seen their entire For generations. Lives. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like I said, it is generational. So my grandmother lived in the projects. My mom, lived in the projects. I live in a project. My children, now I'm living in projects with my children. So this is what my children see. And even though we as a people, we say all the time, man, I want to get out of this place. I want to come up. What we have been taught, the only ways that we can rise above is if we are singers, athletes, athletes actors. Mm-hmm. It's you know? very seldom too that you hear uh is so growing up in the 80s and 90s we had our default answers right what do you want to be when you grow up of course nba nfl whatever whatever but we also now whether we meant it or not is one thing but we also said doctors <laughs> lawyers um astronauts you know yes. you gave you gave the right answer right right basically but these days that's not even a thing with right. these I want to be a rapper I want to be a uh, man. I'm go pay ball. Social media influencer uh-huh. like that, yo, a YouTuber like that's what I want to be. And it's <laughs> it's really sad. But then when you look at, I'm about to go left field. But when you look at technology in the possession of people in poverty, right? Uh-huh. For the longest, they couldn't afford computers, right? Uh-huh. I remember now. Weirdly enough. 
me growing up in poverty, dirt poor, we always had computers. We had computers before schools had computers, but that's because my mother's job required her to to at least know how to fix and work on and program computers. But computers used to run like a, a basic Windows PC would run three, four thousand dollars back right. in the day. That's right. So it was I, I even remember going on Black Planet in the 90s. Black was Planet. that the 90s? Go Black, ahead, Planet. Black Planet. And like, you know, you'd be trying to type to the little girls or it might have been on AIM or whatever. But one of the, the re- reoccurring themes was I don't have a computer. I have to come to the library because, you know, you're trying to hook up with them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't have a computer. So, you know, I'll come back to the library and check and shit like that. Honestly, in some locations in America, that's still happening where you have to go to the library. McDonald's parking lot. Yeah, McDonald's parking lot to do your business. Yeah, but that's mm-hmm. because there's no um, accessible Internet. broadband. Mm-hmm. And where is that? Middle. That's middle America there. Yeah, but also there's there's inner cities that don't have oh, access yeah, like to it as well certain like pittsburgh and yeah, yeah. shit like that but um I, I really forgot what i was where i was going but something about computers being poor oh and then once we got that technology into our hands right you would think that that would have enhanced our our lifestyles making things because computers have always throughout history made things easier, right? They made the job job application. Who who has seen a paper job application? Like I haven't seen one of those in yeah, I know you have, but you work for a bootleg <laughs> company. Um like they don't do that. Everything Becky, you're in HR. Everything is online, mm-hmm. right? Yep. No one brings in their resume and say, hey, I would like to drop this off. And mm-hmm. so it, it makes life easier. But we found a way to pervert the technology. And what we did with technology is provided a window to our world. That that's that's, what, that's, that's what that's yeah. what we did with technology. We wanted the world to see us who we were in our native environments. So and but now it's even going it's it's gotten to the point now, okay, so we had that, right? We had people just getting on online dating and then you had chatting with your friends mm-hmm. through yahoo messenger aim mm-hmm. messenger whatever now while we were doing that shit our counterparts. non-poor counterparts mm-hmm. they they were applying for jobs they were building websites they were building e-commerce that's right and you know so anyway fast forward now cell phones so we get the um this is before smartphones we had the little flip phones with the mm-hmm. cameras and shit we're sending dick pics that's <laughs> what we're doing with it and what they're doing with it is they're conducting fucking business, business with That's their right. e-commerce websites and whatever. So all the technology that we finally we get it late. We get it years after people who aren't poor get it. Right. But when we do finally get it and it's the codes are unlocked, we like don't, everything. We don't do anything yeah, we don't right. do. So right now what we're doing with it is we're taking selfies. We're posting them online. We're we're documenting staged events in our lives and like fights that that's that's really big. Yeah. World star. Yeah. Like shit like that. Like we're using this shit to the detriment of our community and of ourselves. Whereas, again, our counterparts parts. Now I'm going with race, white people. They're majority of them are not using it for the same reasons we are. Now, I challenge 
you to turn that alarm off. But <laughs> I challenge everyone out here that's listening to go check out randomly, not anybody that's on your friends list, not anybody that you're following. Check out a black person's random black person's social media page. Mm-hmm. Check out a random white person's social media page. Check out a random Asian's social media page and conduct that same experiment over and over and over again. Cause don't just do three, do, do 10, 12 people. And then, I mean, I'm not sure what you'll find, but I'm pretty sure you'll find a pretty big difference in how we're using this technology. So once again, going back to what I said earlier, man, I went on a spill. I don't even know where I, how, <laughs> how it whatever. even got to reparations. Well, well, it, it goes back to opportunity and teaching and what we teach our children. So as I was saying, rather than give me money, because the thing about money is that it can be a blessing and a curse. If you know how to use it properly, it will bless you. But if you don't, it it's a curse because going back to what Dan says, money in the hands of a black person and money in the hands of a non-black person, difference in how it is handled. Because once again, Caucasian people teach their children about fiscal responsibility. They teach them how to build and maintain wealth. We teach our kids about getting the new J's and getting Call of Duty and Madden Mad 19 about to come out. We teach our children about keeping up with trends to the detriment of the light bill or the water bill or food in the house. And even though I am saying this and that is cliches about the black community, it is a cliche because it is something that has been done over and over and over and over and over again. And it's something that I have witnessed over and over and over and over again. So we do not we do not teach our children about fiscal responsibility. We've had shows about this because we do not know anything about fiscal responsibility. Mm-hmm. So when I say instead of handing me a pocket full of money and letting me run wild, teach me, give me opportunities to learn about business and finance. So basically, don't treat black people like the star athlete that got a million dollar contract and he's from the hood. Because the reason why this star athlete has money managers and business managers and X, Y, and Z is because he knows absolutely nothing about any of this. And if you look at most of these people who are coming into the NFL or the NBA What do you see? Man, I can use a real life example here, right? Before before we jump right back on topic with um reparations, right? Recently, and knows what I'm talking about, there has been a an opportunity, right, for some people that I know that has the potential to be lucrative, right? Very good potential. However, A lot of the people that were offered this opportunity don't know shit. And 
this is not one of the times, as P said, this is not something you want to learn on the job. There's too much at stake. So going back to like those those athletes that have all these managers and they have people that help them navigate with the regular Joe. And I like to consider myself smarter than the average bear. I don't understand a lot of the shit, which is making making me amongst this this group of people with this opportunity to question if this is something that I should participate in, because I honestly don't understand it. And there's been many times in my life over the years where I've done things that I didn't understand. I went with the flow. That's kind of how we're in this house right now. That's there's lots of things like I, I, I can't even begin to tell you, but I didn't understand. I knew that there was something that I wanted out of it. So I'm like, okay, let's all this, this pile of paperwork right here, right? All these processes and, and all this shit. Let's just push that aside because this is what I want over here. I just got to go through all this and sign my name on some shit to get to this. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of our people will operate like that as well. And it's sad, but now I find myself in that position and it's in a position that I would normally say we should know better. We should educate ourselves. We should. But sometimes you're faced with something to where it's out. It's out of your league. And without those people that help you navigate the regular Joe, we don't have those people that help you us don't, you navigate. Don't have, right. You don't. And then you don't have the skill to That's navigate the, the navigate it yourself, mm-hmm. which is why I said instead of handing me money, give me opportunity to learn how to manage money before. Because mm-hmm. if, if you know the thing is that whole teach a man to fish, mm-hmm. teach me to fish. Let me go out and learn. Help me to get the education you mentioned. Free secondary education mm-hmm. for all people, all black people. Mm-hmm. All right. That is an opportunity for me to learn how to because most think you think about it. Most people don't even consider college as an avenue because of the expense. So. Right. So it's like, okay, yeah, I want to do something different. But do I really want to spend four years and at the end of four years not be able to find a job in my field and the job that I do find? I'm crippled under this mountain of student loan debt. Debt, And that's another thing. Stop going to college just to get the student loans. We covered that before, but because we're talking about this now, stop doing that. Cause why put yourself, see, that's something else. Fiscal responsibility, something Mm -hmm. we don't, we don't learn about, but what we do know is we know how the game is played and we know how to hustle. So the hustle is stay in school for as long as you can keep getting student loans and that's how we live in see and that and that goes back right back to what i just said is i see what i want and you just got all this shit in front of you okay let's push that aside and all this shit over here that you pushed aside to get to what you want is going to come back and bite you in your ass two three four five years down the line right because when you don't get trust me when you don't get your tax return when you expect an eight thousand dollars in a tax return and the IRS goes, well, the Department of Education said you owed them. So we sent the money to them. That's when it no longer becomes a game. See, and speaking of tax returns, too, right? 
in in our fields and well, let me say in our industry, we're very familiar with tax refunds and people who get um, substantial amounts actually equaling probably more than their wages for the entire year. Right. We also have the unique opportunity to watch how they spend it. Mm -hmm. So if you send out these reparations, it is going to be that Dave Chappelle skit. It that is literally what's going to happen. You're going to have Ashley Larry buying a truck full of Hennessy, uh, Newport. The stock, I would buy stock in Newport. Trust me. Um, jewelry, clothes, because it's free money. This is money that and that's we what, don't that's have. That's the thought. See, that is the thought process. And that's why I said, instead of handing me a lump sum of cash, teach me some money management skill. Get me on par so that I, when you give me this money, I know not to go and blow it because... You said that I can remember, remember finding that receipt for the, uh, what was it? The the Louis Vuitton bag. bag? Yeah, the Louis Vuitton bag. Yeah. So. And that, that was, uh, I probably shouldn't say. That was almost half of the tax return. Two grand, two grand, wasn't it? Almost half of the tax return. Man. Why? That, that's our people right there. Fashion forward. And you know what? I'm not I'm not a fashion person. I, I tried to get into fashion a couple years ago and I did. I right, but like I would have at my age now, mid 30s. I'm sorry. Let me take my entire life because I'm cheap. I would have no problem wearing knockoffs, wearing like some some red bottoms. OK, if I want to rock some red bottoms, you go to fuck, you gonna go Chinese pain. Express. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just saying I'm going to buy the knockoff versions and. You can get on like AliExpress and there's all kinds of like sunglasses. That was my big thing for a while. Sunglasses. The only thing I think I spent money, money on was watches. But, um, oh, shoes. Yeah, I love I love shoes. Mm, but No, he loved tennis. Yeah, tennis shoes. And we had this conversation on Twitter probably a month or so ago. Different regions call them different things. You got sh- just we Track call them shoes. shoes. We call them shoes back home oh. in D.C. Some people call them tennis shoes. Some people call them tennis. Some people call them kicks. Some people call Track them track shoes. That yeah, sneakers. sneakers and like all that shit. But anyway, I say I'm not too proud to wear a knockoff of anything. Like as far as fashion wise, Gucci. Mm-hmm. Give me a knockoff Gucci. I don't care because most people don't even know. Yeah, they won't the, know the real from. But just so to go back to what we our initial premise was. Or my initial premise. Why I say don't do it is because we can't handle it. And that's we overall. Some of us could because there are some of us who have financial literacy skills. Some of us have financial skills. Mm -hmm. But there is a contingent of us who would not be able to handle any lump sum of money. Because as Dan said... We are in a unique position to see what our people do with lump sums of cash. Mm-hmm. Like literally people, 10 and $11,000. Gone in a month or two. If, if a month, if it lasts a month. Mm-hmm. Because I can remember this lady getting all, it was close to 11000 It was like 10000 
800 and something, something. And then a week later, calling to find out if her state tax return was in. Because she had blew through her, her federal. That, it, it's, it's ridiculous. So let me, let me ask you this, Becky, because, you know, people say you don't, um, you don't talk much and they want to hear some of your views, right? So let, let's talk about, Ann and I often talk about the people, the type of people that we're familiar with in our industries. How about in your industry? Do you do you experience same some of the same things that we see as far as like we're talking right now, the the way people operate with um, finances? I mean, you did work in a banking industry, um, people of color in especially in New Orleans. How we Wait, not got to be especially in New Orleans I, because back home. Like all the shit that I've learned down here, as far as gaming the system, it came from down here. Yeah, I, <laughs> like back home, I'm like, what? Oh. Like, for instance, I mean, not to put anybody business out here, but <laughs> Medicaid fraud is a big <laughs> thing down here, man. <laughs> Medicaid fraud is huge, and they are tightening that. Not mm, when you got so. <laughs> not, not when you got people that know how to do stuff. Awesome well, crash. they just kicked about 30,000 people off of and then they let one of them on (laughs) (laughs) um share some of your experiences well i think i have two different sides of of, a couple of different perspectives of the experience um i work in an industry that has well i guess it depends on on what aspect you look at my the industry that i'm talking about is the actual business operations that I deal with, which is was banking, which was healthcare, um, which was higher education. Um, so I've worked for those particular business entities. Um, but as an HR professional within that group, um, I really didn't see a lot of the hustle that you are have, have described. But I did deal with people who did hustle because of I could see the 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 CEO I knew how much he made and mm-hmm. he makes and I have access to see how much they make and I have access to see how much the 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 janitor makes or the maintenance guy or the the patient care person um so it to me it appears to be very um wage driven lopsided yeah yeah and that's actually Another thing that me and P just talked about is the disparity between the CEOs and the employees. According to him, he's one of those historical buffs, but he's also mentally ill. (laughs) Um, We haven't seen this big of a disparity since the monopoly busters, but like Taft and you know what? I can believe I I honestly I he's right. He really is, because you think about think about 2008 and the height of of the financial crisis mm-hmm. and you had people like Goldman Sachs and big banks, wall street where hedge fund managers and CEOs were making hundreds of millions of dollars bonuses and their companies were basically driving the United States into a depression. Mm-hmm. Right. So literally and and that bringing that, full circle to our people 
they look at hustling on the street and actually working. And for the most part, they can make more money staying home, receiving public assistance than they can at a nine to five. Mm -hmm. By design. And exactly right. And that's why at the top of the podcast, I said, stop pushing our people into this poverty stricken mentality is that, I mean, the system is designed to keep you there because why would you, you, you know, you spend most of your life on public assistance and then you think, okay, let me go out and get a job. And then you get this job and it's like, Oh, we cutting this man. I was sitting at home and when I was sitting at home doing nothing, I was getting free rent, free food. And then I was getting free money. And so and free health care. Right. I was living the life. And then I decided I wanted to do something else a little bit more just to be knocked down, just to just for that to show me that my life was better when I was doing nothing. Mm -hmm. So design by design. True. So once again, give our people an opportunity to learn give our people the opportunity to rise from that cycle instead of giving me money because money is not going to do anything for me except push me further into that, the mentality that I already have. And it's also going to make white people more wealthy because let's face it. That's where we run in to spend our money to. That's right. Go spend it. And so, Here's my proposal, right? And I'll I'll just finish with this. My proposal, of course, as I said at at closer to the top of the show, was free college education for black people, period, right? The other thing we need, we need neighborhood restorations. Rather than you motherfuckers, and I hate you motherfuckers with a passion that gentrify our neighborhoods. The reason I am living in New Orleans, I'm from the D.C. D.C. metro area. The reason why I'm living in New Orleans now is because of gentrification. Right. They they pushed us out of their houses that were cost that costed historically from maybe the 70s into the late 90s. They didn't fluctuate much. We're looking at 70 to 120. At about 2003, my mama sold her house in 2001 and she paid 110 for it when she bought it and she sold it for maybe 125. That house two years later was worth 400 grand, right? And it's because of the influx of gentrification. Now, we lived in a neighborhood that no one in the area would want to live in, but then you had these outsiders coming in and they come in because in they droves. Weren't, they weren't afraid. See, that's just like here. Yeah, it's the going same on thing, here. The yeah. same thing is happening in New Orleans now because people from up north and from other places. West Coast especially. Exactly. Come into the city and neighborhoods that were historically black and historically bad. Like you don't want to be caught in these neighborhoods after five o'clock. Bad. You see this drove of Caucasian people right buying houses living there and then it gets to a point where 
I can't even afford to rent there because mm-hmm. now the rent's like $1,900 a month. Becky, you you can speak to that. When we were, when we first, when we got the, well, when you got your first apartment in Kenner, right? Yeah. One bedroom. How much were you paying? Five eighty five a month. A little louder, please. Five eighty five <laughs> a month. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then your rent went up and just a little bit every year, but- Nothing, nothing. Okay, so then the place on Focus. Which was smaller and a studio. Studio apartment. So one to one bedroom studio apartment. Okay. And how much were you paying in rent? I was I I think it went up to six forty five, something like that. So six forty five for a smaller place. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we found a condo and the condo at man that was like a good find when we found it but right how much were we paying there of course you gotta ask me that um 875 a month yeah that's what I'm sure. and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it started going up and it started going up and going up to where when we left we were paying over a thousand dollars a month well we partially chose to do that but yeah but regardless we paid an extra 50 dollars right. for for a month to month Right. So still a thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. And again, a thousand dollars a month. We're talking New Orleans, thousand dollars a month, a small one bedroom and the bedroom didn't even have a door. Mm-hmm. It was a it loft. Was a loft. Right. Yes, it was so, a thousand dollars. Right. My mama's rent. She started off paying in in Kenner, Louisiana, which is a suburb of New Orleans. It's uh, and I'll get to the relevance of all this. But um. She started off paying for a two bedroom townhouse, nine hundred dollars. No, eight it's somewhere between eight fifty and nine hundred a month. Okay. Katrina comes. Hurricane mm-hmm. Katrina. Mm-hmm. And that's fucks it, the that's whole city up. We and we we need to do a, a straight up series about our experiences during Katrina. But came back, uh her townhouse wasn't really damaged. I mean, she got maybe about a foot of water. And that might sound bad to a lot of people, but trust me, in New Orleans, that's nothing. It wasn't, nothing. right. Mm-mm. <laughs> so spray some bleach on the wall. You're good. <laughs> so uh, then after Katrina, her rent went up from 930. It, it was 930 the year of Katrina to 1100. Mm-hmm. And then she moved down to the more established part of suburbs kind of towards old Metairie-ish, which is where the rich folks live. Mm. She didn't live on the rich folks side, though, but <laughs> she was paying there 1500 a month, right? Mm. By the time she left, I want to say she was paying $1,700 a month to rent a townhouse, mm-hmm. right? So during that time, Becky and I, we had left our condo and we went to stay with my mama for a couple of months while we tried to find somewhere else to live. Now, I was really huge on trying to rent a, a house. Like I said, I learned the scam, the scammers down here and y'all know the game. So I was like terrified of renting from a private owner. However, these property management companies, their properties were all old and not upgraded and just like 19 early 1990s appliances mm-hmm. and shit. So we even saw some 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shag carpet mm-hmm. in one of them with the cigarette burns mm-hmm. in it. But it got to the point where as much as I did not want to buy a house and I, I still don't want to be a homeowner, and it's more the responsibility side of things, but 
cost wise, we were either going to pay sixteen, seventeen hundred dollars a month to rent something comparable to where we live, but maybe not as upgraded. And that's because of the influx of gentrifiers. So because they are not afraid to pay that kind of money because where they were, where they're from. That's cheap. Absolutely. And I say that now, like when I when I was talking to my people back home, like, man, our one bedroom went up to a thousand dollars. That's it. Because they're paying <laughs> two, three thousand dollars for one bedroom. Right. Okay. But exactly. yeah, fuck you, gentrifiers. I hate you, motherfuckers. <laughs> and one of the things that I want to happen is I want the economy to crash and crumble hard so I can look at y'all, be homeless and laugh <laughs> because you are coming into our neighborhoods. So anyway, all that long, long shit to say, neighborhood revitalization instead of pushing us out of our neighborhoods and then making it better make it better while we're here exactly right and that the whole we did a show on the broken window theory where if everyone if one person in a neighborhood is taking immaculate care of their homes the others will follow maybe not as immaculate but they'll say like our 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 lawn right Mm -hmm. if we don't cut our grass they, they don't cut their cut grass. The grass. But right. as soon as I cut my grass, oh boy, next cut. day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, but you look at where we live now. Why bother cutting the grass? Shit, we ain't even got grass. We got dirt with broken like glass bottles and in shit it. out there. That's right. So, yeah. right. I can't take pride in where I stay. Exactly. So why would I bother to throw the trash in the trash can? I'm mm-hmm. just going to. This whole place is a trash can. Yeah. So I agree. So those are my my two things as far as reparations education fix our neighborhoods and if i just want to sprinkle a little crack on top parenting um something to help the parents something to help the parents understand children because a lot of parenting classes classes something like that and i don't say that i don't mean that to sound no but does that not go back no we're not trying to offend anybody we're just because honestly Dan is coming from a place where he's lived it. I am coming from a place where I've lived it to a certain extent. So when I say, I I say us and we, because I was there. I was not born with a silver spoon in spite of what Dan may say. I was not born with a silver spoon. I had the skill set and the community network to help me pull myself up to to move i had the encouragement and when dan says education and revitalization teach me to fish Mm -hmm. give me a non-polluted fishing pond you know because my well is poison and i can't fish so now you're spoon feeding me just like animals at the zoo you know release them into the wild after 20 years of being fed they're gonna lose their shit it's like how do you think they survive so elaborate on the parenting oh well just just this um to keep it short and simple a lot of people in our community and i've seen this over and over and over again we have children young now it's not that's not exclusively our community but a majority yeah yeah we we We, experience that more than others. Yeah. And the thing is, we don't, well, one, we don't fully understand ourselves 
because of our environments, because of the predicaments we've come up in, the generational poverty, the things we see, like the things we see that we think are normal are not normal. It's just normalized to us. us. So we don't understand ourselves. If you don't understand yourself, you how are you going to understand the child and how are you going to bring this child Mm -hmm. up? Because you're going to teach them what you know. Mm hmm. That's not always a good thing. Mm. So that that's what I mean by parenting classes. You drop the mic again. Okay. No, so reparations. Repair us. You know, right the wrongs that have been perpetrated on our people for generations. And we're still being preyed upon. We are still being beaten. You know, we we still, for the most part, America as a as a whole is still keeping us on the plantation if you think about it. So free us, really free us. I mean, give us the skills we need to thrive. And that's basically it. That's how that's how you can give us reparations. Like I said, money money doesn't cut it because you have the money but then you can't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. Most of us so free truly free us give us give us the skill we like i said give us the skills we need to thrive as a people don't keep battering us don't don't keep your foot on our necks that that's basically it and then when we do thrive such as black wall street don't fucking bomb us Mm -hmm. (laughs) right becky closing thoughts reparations would be nice in the in with what you guys proposed um, but I am doubtful <laughs> right, because, <laughs> that it will ever happen. Because you That's, know why though? Why? Why do you think? Why do you think? Just based on history. No, they, the government hasn't come through for anybody that they have, and I'm putting air quotes on this, conquered or s- squandered or appropriated from. They've never repaid them. They've never given credit where credit is due. So- I am relying on the behaviors of the past. So history. But you know what? Honestly, you're right. What history has taught us is that when there's wealth, there have to be poor people. And inevitably, you know, you know, we have a saying, if I eat, we all eat. But that's but that's us. But that's not America. You know, in America, if I eat in order for me to keep eating, you have to stay where you are. Right. And that's a good quick, quick, quick segue into the House Democrats passing the the $15 minimum minimum wage. wage. And that also applies to the tipped minimum wage, too, who have been making Mm $2.15 since the early 90s. Right. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's a lot of outrage now. There's a lot of people who make $18 an hour skill trades. They don't want. Someone who's 15 years old working a summer job with no skills. How are you making $3 less than me? So that that's just going to get really tricky because nothing's going to change. We're just going to raise the rates of the skilled workers. So then again, we we talked about this before, but the 15, it's not going to, it's not even going to happen. I'm going to tell you what, it's not, it's not going to happen because every time you talk about raising the minimum wage, what Republicans throw out is that it'll as, hurt businesses as soon as well, it'll hurt workers 
because business will not be able to afford to pay them. And so they will lay people off. That is that is always been the argument. And but we, I re- we, we just talked about, though, the disparity between the CEO and the worker, too. So maybe it won't be bad for business. It'll be bad for the CEO. It's not because the CEO still is going to be making money. And you know what? And that's a segue into did y'all read headline about Abigail Disney? Oh, yeah. She went undercover into her part. Did you see that? I didn't read the whole article, but I saw that she saw something about the working conditions were just like. Right. Because we're talking about since we're talking about CEOs and their compensation, the CEO of Disney makes sixty six million dollars a year. Do you know how much the average Disney worker makes per year? I'd say 16, 17 grand. Thereabouts. You know, depending on locale, because we're talking California and Florida. But what Abigail Disney said is that she was appalled by what she saw and what she heard because there were workers at Disney who is or, you know, Disney is the self self described happiest place on earth. Mm-hmm. These workers at Disney, they work all day long at Disney. And then she said they were telling her things like they have to forage for food because they're not being paid a living wage. Yet you have a CEO of this company that is making $66 million a year. And in what kind of world is that right? In Did America. she decide to do anything about it? She well, can't she came forward and that she shed light on it. That's what that's all she can do, because she while she is she owns shares in Disney, she's not on the board. Right. So but shedding light on it makes Disney look bad. Like, I know you remember we watched that thing about um, SeaWorld where right. they, it was like all the trainers came forward and was like, yo, these whales are being abused and da 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 da. Finally, finally, they like shut a lot of their operations down Mm -hmm. so hopefully this this will help and i was watching um listening to mike tyson's podcast right Mm -hmm. and this is my final thought i promise (laughs) uh he said a few interesting things right he had a rapper on there named trey the truth i've never heard of trey the truth but he has his own holiday in houston does a lot of um, Wait, the dude has his own holiday yeah in the city of houston yes, they got trade day <laughs> where he goes out he does a lot of philanthropy he gives the kids school supplies he gives the poor people food and whatever whatever so him and mike got into a dialogue about helping people so what trey said to mike is if me and you were going out to eat you're mike tyson right mm-hmm. and i'm just a rapper from houston a lot of people would expect you to foot the bill because you're Mike Tyson and I wouldn't I would pay for myself because and I would actually pay for pay for you too so Mike says no I I, I wouldn't feel right about <laughs> that because you know all I know how to do is give and you know my whole my whole career that's where all my fucking money went I just <laughs> gave it away and I look at it now like this I I wouldn't be a man because I, you know, everybody wants to help somebody, but they don't know how to help somebody. So what I do is I give them money. So the dude said, Mike, do you think that's the best way to help people? Mike said, no, I don't know. But that's the only way I know how to help people, because all I got is two things. I got 
money and I got my time. <laughs> and I have sacrificed my time with my family for all of these years while I was in the ring training for fights <laughs> and fighting Sonny Listen. And um, so he said, basically, to get to the gist of it, Mike said, all I have is my time. And my this money. is all I can give you, actually, is my time and my money. I'm not willing to give you my time because I've taken so much of my time away from my family being Mike Tyson. And that kind of struck home for me. I'm like, damn, when you think about it, what else is there to give time, money? How else can you help people? Well, you know what? Once again, I'd rather you give me your time because use that time to teach me. Use that time to better me. Use that time to, to give show- me. To uh, show me an example of of something. Right. To 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 demonstrate that this is something that's possible. Yeah. Right. Because you throw, as we said in the throughout the, the thread of this show, throw money on the problem. Throwing money on the problem is not solving it. No, but and this was Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson, I don't care what anybody says, dude's still one of my heroes, and he's a poignant motherfucker. Once you get past the way he talks. <laughs> But, man, I love that dude. And he said, um, okay, yeah, the money might not fix the problem. It, it might not solve anything. But, right, once I hand it to you, it helps you in that moment. So, it is if help, you, nevertheless. But if you use it properly, it helps. Because that's just like, okay, you give a crackhead money. Mm-hmm. What a crackhead could do? You still help them, though. I helped him get high. Yeah. I helped yeah. him F his life up more. Yeah. But he was going to do it anyway. So it's but, like you helped. You've helped <laughs> no, I've, I've not helped him. See, that's why. The, You've enabled him. Right. Money in the hands of somebody who knows how to properly use it mm-hmm. helps. But money in the hands of somebody who doesn't hurts. That's why I said money is a both a blessing and a curse, depending on if you have the faculties, if you are able to use it properly. Money is a tool. That's what somebody told me. It is. Money and is a tool. Money, it is a tool because it can help you screw things. <laughs> this has been <laughs> another episode of Black Law and Legalize. As usual, we thank you for joining us week in and week out. Thank we really you. appreciate it. You can keep up with us on social media across all platforms at Black Law Podcast. I am Dan, one of your hosts who happens to be nominated on another podcast for a uh, best <laughs> niche podcast. Um, <laughs> you can catch me on Twitter and IG at I am Dan on drugs. And I am just Dan, and you can follow me on Twitter. And I too have been nominated for best chicken Asshole eater of the year. Of the year. What? Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you for joining us for another adventure of an edu- and an edutaining episode of Black Law and Legalize. This was Afro Becky. Chip, chip, chip. Wait, really? She gets gets an ad (laughs) on the track.